Hello and hello, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Not Know When. On this special, special Tuesday, I am so excited because we have such incredible guests for you all today. So please allow me to introduce David Chow on the show. First of all, if you don't know David, my friend, you really, really should. David today he is a serious entrepreneur. After succeeding his own venture, he became a catalyst for the capital venture capital ecosystem, starting at Silicon Valley. Today, he's a founder for F50. F50 is a venture capital platform that connecting extraordinary startups with exclusive network of investors. And it is also where he had many success through his lead investment in the top 30 deals. Just to name a few, my friends, such as NiceScope, which is IPO in a few months, and Dog AI for 20x. Wow, plastic, and many, many more. Today, David also founded the Silicon Valley's largest grassroots entrepreneur community, SVE, where he hosts SVE Talk. SE demo. He also is a producer for F50 Global Capital Summit and F50 Global Inside YouTube channel. Oh my goodness! I am so so excited, everybody. Please allow me to welcome and thank you so much, David, for joining us and welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a great pleasure to be here. So, David,、uh, let's dive into your story. Tell us all. How does all the magic get begin? Or maybe、uh, start from myself. So right now I manage a small fund. We invested into thirty-one、uh, uh, companies. As you mentioned, two of them are going up here、uh, next few months, and two more are coming、uh, on the way.、Uh, so we also run a small accelerator called F50 Elevate program. We helped ten、uh, uh, companies uh, uh, last、uh, two years.、Uh, F50 platform started in two thousand fourteen. As a goal to connect、uh, amazing entrepreneurs with the global investor and network. So why is that? Because、um, about thirteen、uh, years ago, I started a community called the Silicon Valley Entrepreneur、uh, Community <clears throat> and Silicon Valley Android Developer Community and、uh, iOS Developer Community in Silicon Valley. I was uh, actually an、uh, engineer manager. Uh, VP of Engineer for a tech startup at that time. So as the first generation immigrants here, so I、uh, know only small number of people in the valley other than my working space. So connected people is a very、uh, strong interest at that time. Why? Because、um, I started a company called Extended Logic、uh, in two thousand,、uh, I think two thousand five six, and、mm-hmm. so. And I sold them、uh, after the two thousand eight financial crisis. So about myself. So right now, house tech is my number one、uh, sector of interest, and of course, property tech, fintech, and deep tech are other sectors I have deep interested in. So far, our most successful companies are house tech, fintech, and、uh, deep tech. Uh, companies. So on、uh, house tech, a little bit about、uh, house tech. So actually, I、uh, was born in a hospital. I grew up in a hospital、uh, in a small town、uh, in northwest、uh, China. 
Uh, my parents uh, both worked at uh, as the health tech industry for a very, very long time. My mom actually in her uh, whole life. I still have lots of uh, cousins, uh, uncles, aunts are working on the health tech industry, all sorts of in, uh, in like surgery, in Chinese medicine, in diagnostic, uh, and all sorts of areas in the health tech uh, industry. So I can say I do have a deep uh, connection in the health tech industry. Actually, in about uh, uh, 2007, eight, by the time my company was in trouble because of financial crisis, I have a health problems, I have a fatty liver. So it's a small problem, but it caused like a, a lots of challenges. It, it, uh, I went to many different doctors. I went to even Stanford, and they said, you're well good, you're healthy, you don't have any problem at all. I just don't feel good. I said, I have some problems. So I decided to practice all sorts of exercise and meditations and start from then. And uh, uh, lucky enough, enough, I created a very good habit uh, of health. And I, because of that, I learned a lot of um, uh, aging and the chronic disease. And uh, so I, I sort, sort of become somewhere an expert uh, in that one. And last few years, I have a big... Uh, uh, interest in the uh, in the chron chronic disease, and I realized that the solution for the chronic disease also related another keyword called longevity. Uh, Forbes actually just published an article actually yesterday uh, uh, asked, "Can you are you able to live two hundred years old?" Uh, Forbes's article gave the hands that there's a many different technology innovations are going to help people live like two hundred years old. Not everybody, but Definitely for uh, some of population on the earth can live around 200 years old. Actually, this is very much in line with what I have been uh, looking for the last uh, few years. I believe that uh, uh, the, uh, the longevity is the chance and the longer and in, uh, the longer living lifespan uh, for human to change uh, the, uh, the health industry, but also change the consumer industry, change in our culture of living a lot. Uh, that's why I believe that there's a, a great opportunities in the space, which uh, not only we can bring value to the entrepreneurs, can bring innovation uh, and value to the society, but also uh, there are great business opportunities around uh, aging and uh, longevity. So that's a, that's a broad view of what uh, um, I've been uh, working on, uh, of course, uh, there are just lots of lots of uh, uh, challenges, uh, stories on the personal uh, level, on the business level. Working is with the amazing entrepreneurs uh, uh, is a great experience. We saw many entrepreneurs grow from very young, very small startups to very successful companies. At the same time, working with world uh, uh, world leaders in the venture capital ecosystem is. Uh, will be amazing. I had a chance to work with many, many great leaders uh, like Elon Musk, uh, Facebook, Mark Spark, and Paul Grimes, uh, Manuel Kosla, Tim Draper, who just announced they might move to Austin uh, very soon. So, so that is uh, a great honor to have opportunity to connect with uh, uh, industrial leaders as well as the innovation, most in innovative startup founders. Wow.
<laughs> wow, David, that is, oh my God, such a beautiful journey. And I just, it's so refreshing to see, you know, you are someone that, you know, whether from your own experience, own illness, and truly draw the passion in healthcare and wanted to heal more people and truly wanted to, you know, really have more supporting other entrepreneurs in the field, which is just so incredible to see. And I wanted to kind of bring back just a little bit, you talk about uh, you grew up in the hospital environment, right? So you kind of already did curious about healthcare growing up when you were little. I'm curious, I know that your background actually is engineer. So what brought you into entrepreneur world to begin with? So Silicon Valley is a capital of the venture capitalists, but also is a capital for entrepreneurs as well. You can see that in this environment, naturally, uh, you get a, a lot of knowledge and information about startups. So in 2000, I think five, six, I started a, a company, small company called Extended Logic, doing um, Android iPhone development. Uh, for at that time, it was very, very new. iPhone uh, was very new, and Android just uh, uh, baking at that time. So it was a, a very interesting journey. So I start uh, uh, that company with uh, a pretty easy start. At that time, I have a, uh, I'm a financial stable. I did some real estate investment, and uh, I start a company. I barely, I, I can say that uh, I am not, I was not experienced at all. Uh, I just have the courage and energy to get started. Of course, uh, initially it was very successful until the uh, 2018, 2008. Uh, financial crisis and landed to the U.S. market, it has some challenges. So later, of course, because this experience, I started Silicon Valley Entrepreneurs. I want to connect many different entrepreneurs like myself, particularly like first-time entrepreneurs and first-generation immigrants who wanted to be entrepreneurs. I want to connect them and help them before they start their company. And that's the... That's a big journey. Started in two thousand eight, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, was a quite a, a learning process to connect so many uh, grassroots uh, entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And this uh, this network also gave me a lot of insight, and also gave me uh, a footprint in the startup venture ecosystem. So later on. I can start my own fund. You know, one thing I really admire about you, David, is you can draw from your own experience and truly turn that into an asset to help others. Whether it's from a healthcare perspective or this whole world of entrepreneurship you talk about when you started, you had no idea. But then, you know, of course, you stumble and you succeed. And then from there, you wanted to build an incredible network community to help others to succeed in the same venture that you did, which is wonderful. Tell us, you know, today, David, you are extremely successful. You have a lot of incredible uh, ventures and journey. I'm curious, have you ever failed? Or what is your biggest challenge? How are you able to kind of drive on those experiences and come to who you are today? So um, venture capital is a very competitive business, as you can tell. Uh, the market's doing well, and everybody's doing well. So our fund actually has done pretty well right now. But of course, there are lots of, lots of different challenges uh, on the road to come to uh, this stage. So what I can share is that uh, my challenge and experience in the 2008 uh, financial crisis, at that time I was running uh, my small startup, External Logic. And I, at that time, I got my health problem 
because now the stress and uh, uh, challenge are facing. Uh, in 2008, I think the made like uh, uh, summer, uh, like August, uh, September, the uh, financial uh, uh, financial system collapsed, and uh, pretty much all the major client uh, stopped. Uh, the services at that time. So we lost most of our clients. We still have few uh, left. And so that's a huge uh, challenge. And so at that time, we're struggling to refer the people right away. Uh, should I keep all the people? So we have uh, big internal meetings and our teams intend to keep the people. So I think at that time, I look back, that's a huge mistake because create a, a lot of liability for us. And uh, Create a lot of unpaid salaries and unpaid expense uh, at that time. So 2008 is was a uh, uh, was a big learning uh, learning process for me and personally, and also uh, for my team. Uh, we uh, we actually did react uh, that uh, after, and we make optimize our uh, our product and the service focus on the. And latest technologies, iPhone uh, and uh, Android. So, uh, what's keeping going? At that time, quite honest, uh, I just think this is something uh, we shouldn't stop, and I should not turn down. I have so many uh, friends, followers, uh, staff looking for me uh, to uh, get company back to track. Uh, we we struggled for more than half a year, and we uh, we we stabilized. Uh, and lucky enough, uh, we sell the company to another uh, company, uh, which they are looking for uh, the technology and the team what we had uh, built uh, for the last uh, few years. So I would say that's a, uh, that's a moderate success. Uh, we do not make uh, too much money, we just make a very small amount of money, and, uh, and we did uh, treat our people uh, pretty well. There's many key decisions we have to make uh, in a very short uh, uh, time of the period. For instance, okay, when the client uh, terminate our projects, uh, how long we should keep our staff? And should we cut uh, our non-core non technologies? And how much we should invest into the uh, new technologies? And there are many different uh, questions. Now each question uh, has the decision to use questions has its own consequences. The consequence is not going to, sometimes it's not going to show immediately, take uh, three months, sometimes six months, one year uh, to feel the, uh, the consequences. For instance, we decided to like, enhance our uh, investment in new technology, particular iPhone technology. That is 2008. Uh, iPhone is very new, Android is just announced. That is a very high risk move at that time. Because that move are near term cash flow get worse, but that's why our company got acquired because we do have the new technology mm -hmm. and the new team. Mm -hmm. So I would say that uh, it's a it's a big decision and a very risky decision. I just say admit it. When 2008 hits, when your business is under so much stress, you know, whether it was a team, whether part of the market, right? You as a leader, everybody is looking at you to making those tough decisions, tough calls. Like, is there any moment you felt like you might not able to, or you or business not, might not able to have a second day? 
And how do you keep pushing such a challenging time? Because we all remember 2008 is not a piece of cake. So how do you, in that time, still remain calm and poised and then leading the, the team to make the right decision leading to the success later? So um, I write down a piece of paper hanging on my office site. Uh, the end. The end means the future. So look at the end. The end, you will be successful. I use that one. I raise that one again. Every time I saw challenges and I'm struggling, I said, well, we will be, we will be successful one day. And that's what I'm keep telling myself. Of course, there's a lot of challenges. I re did refinance of my house and because money, and the money is not enough to get everything going, but money was good to ease some of the short-term uh, challenges. I use all sorts of ways to uh, make sure uh, the company have uh, uh, basic uh, uh, cash to operate and uh, uh, keep going. So uh, at that time, the, uh, honestly, the, uh, other than uh, I, what I believe and I'm brave enough to keep going. And, uh, uh, and secondly, is that I do believe the technology. I think the technology, iPhone and Android are the, uh, are the future. Because at that time, I organized lots of events for Google. I organized the first uh, uh, HTML5 hackathon at Google. I organized the first Google TV hackathon, first uh, and largest Android developer hackathon. I learned a lot of uh, exciting new technologies. That gave me confidence that uh, uh, this is the future. That's uh, how I get going. Wow, I love that. Really, it's a faith, the courage, and the hardworking, really and how you to keep pushing. And in that such a challenging time, today you have, you know, oh my God, such a wonderful success looking back. So David, now back to you, your journey. And later on, you start SVE, you start F50. So tell us, what is your thought process behind what inspired you to start those ventures? And why are you so passionate about today supporting entrepreneurs just like you were one day once? Well, I started to... Uh, I fifty. I already sold my company for years, um, more than more than two years before. I was working in a company called uh, Great Wall Club, GWC USC. I'm the uh, um, I was the CEO. I started the USC business, uh, and we are connecting uh, world class leaders. Um, so uh, from uh, globally, including the leaders from China, Japan, Taiwan, India. Uh, together with the set leaders in Silicon Valley. I host a conference called Global, Global Mobile Internet uh, Conference in San Francisco. That was one of the largest mobile internet conference. Remember, Android and iPhone are considered also mobile internet. So I think that's the opportunity for mobile the age of the mobile internet age. Uh, I think we caught that tree and uh, move forward with uh, what is the world and the Silicon Valley is moving uh, forward too. So mobile internet uh, uh, is uh, is booming uh, in the earlier uh, 2010. Uh, so uh, I got a chance to connect many innovative leaders uh, around the world, including local. Uh, I said I met uh, programs uh, uh, before I started the company. I met uh, uh, many different uh, uh, great entrepreneurs at that time. I was thinking, what is the best way for me to help them? I asked many of my friends, uh, uh, so what's the best way to, uh, for, uh, for me to help uh, the entrepreneurs? Uh, and so many of my friends ask, can you find the best of best so we can put the money to support them? I said, that sounds an easy task. I tried. 
actually it is uh, extremely difficult uh, because uh, uh, you know when we, we were, I was running the entrepreneur community, we run lots of demo events. It's very easy. Oh, you guys entrepreneur, great! I want to support you. Uh, so. On the other hand, we decided to give money that is a completely different level of due diligence and understanding. Uh, so it's a completely different way to look at the startup ecosystem anymore. Because we realized that uh, by the time we decided to do investment, we realized that, well, the reality is that 98% entrepreneurs are not fundable. So I have this, I have this, this fight of, uh, I call it a problem in my mind. Okay, on the one hand, I'm running entrepreneur network. So, oh, I should support, help every entrepreneur who has a dream. On the other hand, I want to wear the investor, investor hat. I realized that, oh, well, only 1%, actually less than 1%, I can be successful. Because we invite into, invest in 2% of them. Actually, among 2%, only like a small percentage of entrepreneurs can be eventually successful. So that's a big uh, a uh, uh, big difference of how I see the world. But I decided to do it. So I realized that uh, the, the most the value brought to this world are the best of the best entrepreneurs who can, have the, can change the world for us. So I lost a lot of opportunities. I think the best of best entrepreneurs who has the passion, has the energy, has the right idea, uh, who indeed need help. We want to, to side with them and help them to achieve their goal. And that's where we started with F50. F50 started with um, a small platform company running the season selection process and also a F50 venture fund and do the investment to the startups in our ecosystem. So F50's biggest mission is uh, find and identify the entrepreneurs who has the ability to change the world. We want to connect them with uh, the global investor and network. And uh, so that's uh, what we want to do. How is that journey or transition from being an entrepreneur yourself and now uh, becoming investors and supporting entrepreneurs? So as entrepreneurs, uh, it's a very different way to uh, see the world. Uh, entrepreneurs, we um, focus. Delegation is uh, uh, what we want to. I will say that even as a venture capitalist, I'm also an entrepreneur because I'm running a platform. And you can see that the venture fund is also a, a business uh, on itself. And so transition definitely is not easy. There are lots of lots of challenges um, to see the world. And as I said, as I said earlier, uh, before I started investment, I see every entrepreneur's. Uh, as a friend, as somebody want to help. As a venture capital, I realized that there's only a small number of entrepreneurs I can indeed help. And also there are a small number of entrepreneurs can indeed be successful. So uh, this means that uh, uh, as a venture capitalist, naturally I, I'm required to uh, spend uh, uh, time with a small number of entrepreneurs. That is what I had been doing before. So it's kind of a change of heart. So there are lots of lots of changes. And also as a venture capitalist, since we have engaged with many, many different entrepreneurs, and naturally at the beginning, uh, we have, we've been trained to be skeptical of every pitch because uh, every entrepreneur's um, pitch story is bigger than what they can deliver in the near future. Sometimes some people are very far away, some people are very close. We want to find out the people who are close to their dream, not the people who are very far from the dream. 
So there are lots and lots of difference between entrepreneurs and uh, and uh, um, venture uh, venture capitalists. So today, you know, since we are on the topic, tell us, you know, what are the investment thesis you have today, and what kind of entrepreneurs, you know, specifically, is there any kind of portfolio or a profile of paying out where you are looking for, you like to work with? So um, on the uh, on the portfolio part, right now, uh, um, we are. Our number one sector is the health tech. Uh, as I said earlier, is uh, uh, chronic disease and longevity and aging challenges is a big interest for me personally, as well uh, for the business. Uh, we think uh, uh, the entrepreneurs um, uh, in this space uh, uh, has not drawn enough attention. Of course, um, right now, most of our investment in the health tech space are focused on curing the disease and uh, uh, especially uh, curing the uh, disease which causes death. So as, that's why I divided the, uh, the innovation in health tech in four levels. The first level is uh, uh, stop the challenge, stop people from dying. It's like, a, uh, like heart failure, liver failure, and brain failure, all those failures, how do we stop those diseases from, uh, from cost of the, uh, we call organ failure which means uh, the death of the human. So uh, we had as a uh, society, this, uh, the, the money, vast majority of money had been invested in this space uh, for a very, very long time. The next area, because second level is uh, uh, make sure people are living, like say, fixing small problems uh, in the health innovation, for instance, fix your, uh, your stomach disease, fix your uh, face your skin is all those things are not that threatening, but uh, and definitely uh, has an impact on people's life. Uh, so we are fighting with the disease. On the past uh, hundred years, these two categories probably are the most of investment in the health tech uh, space. Uh, I want to highlight the third level we call to uh, make people live better. Make people live better, I give a couple of examples called preventive. Uh, uh, medicines, pre uh, preventive cares, all sorts of technologies should be used to make people live better instead of just fighting this disease. I saw a statistic that one of the insurance companies says that probably 70% of their insurance spending or claims were used to, uh, to support people's life as their last 14 days. What that means that uh, the investment in the healthcare during the people's life, where people were not that seriously ill, were trivial, means nothing. So this means that uh, people, this society, this world spent most of our money to, to prevent us from death, instead of putting money to live better. I think we can make a small change. We don't need to make a drastic change because a small percentage, like a 5% change means uh, significant change. So we think that health is, uh, uh, is uh, a healthier life should be, uh, should be what this society should spend more time to work on. Wow, that's incredible. I would never thought of that, but that totally makes sense. And that's why you are today so passionate about healthcare, healthcare tech, which, you know, of course, is so wonderful. And I'm curious, you know, today, David, you, you know, through your organization, through your networking, you may so many entrepreneurs, and you mentioned earlier, that small percentage entrepreneur actually will succeed. I'm curious, you know, is there a characteristic, is there a profile that people you are looking for, for your own, in terms of 
who do you think will be successful? Like, what kind of person you're looking for? So uh, that's actually a pretty big uh, question. Uh, so typically, when we look at, uh, uh, I will give a shorter version. When we look at a startup, we're looking for a founder, we look for two things. Number one, uh, the sector. Uh, so since we are early stage investors, we are looking for innovations, most innovative technology in the space, means the leaders. So we don't look at the followers. And so I hear many pitches that uh, some startups said, okay, I can do this better than those startups who have raised uh, $1 million or $10 million or $20 million. I can do significantly better. Typically, that's not the right pitch. And uh, I, typically, when you see somebody raised uh, $10 million in that particular sector, probably already, like, 20 companies already get funded. And another uh, 50 companies got started and did not get a chance to raise any money at all. So that's a sign of a uh, very competitive market. We are not uh, here to support companies to, to fight and win over competition. We want to find uh, companies who are innovative enough uh, to uh, be better, significantly better than anyone else and the leader in that space, number one. Number two is that uh, we look at the founder itself. So why? It's very important. Without a proper why, most founders cannot last uh, uh, for a few years. It's going to be very short, and uh, uh, they're going to be facing lots of challenges. Uh, typically, it would take like uh, eight to 12 years for a uh, startup to be very successful. And 10 years is a very long time. Is uh, uh, If you start a company in 30, this means your golden age from 30 to 40 are in one company. That's a significant com commitment in one way. On the other hand, uh, I'm sure you read the story, it's not gonna be easy like climbing hills. No, you're gonna go a uh, lot of tra uh, challenges. You're gonna go to trap, you're gonna climb the hills, you're gonna face challenges, you're gonna face problems, uh, and you may have health challenges, uh, all sorts of problems there. So we want to look at the founders to make sure they have uh, a great passion, a great why, a great reason to support them to overcome all those challenges for the next uh, uh, 10 years. And so to drive them successful. Of course, it's either said and done. And to get those proof you can get over 10 years, you need lots of lots of information. We make sure they have a passion, we make sure they have a history, make sure they understand the sector. Uh, more importantly, we need to make sure they have a team. Uh, one of the most common questions I get asked, hey, you guys give the money, we'll have the team. Uh, that's a terribly wrong answer. Nobody invests a uh, founder with no team. They all just expect uh, an investor give money to, to buy the team. We want to look for a founder who are nature leader, who can draw followers, who can draw their uh, friends, actually join them and take other risks before the venture capital invests the money. So that's a one of the important things we are looking for. So with the passion, with the energy, with the reason why, and with the team, and then the company has a far better chance to be successful. So now I'm going to pivot the question just a little bit. Uh, you know, today, David, you have done so much. You have seen so much. I'm curious, what does definition of success means for you? And for that, do you think you are successful today? Depends on what is a success. If you use a success, I define like a, Maybe 20 years ago, we just came 
to Americans as a first generation immigrants, I think uh, I'm very successful in that uh, uh, standard. Uh, I achieved uh, many goals I have never uh, imagined myself can do uh, in the last uh, many years. However, as a venture capitalist, I don't think I'm very successful. This is a very competitive market. Although uh, our fund is very successful, but still a long way to go to align with the great uh, entrepreneurs in the next decade. Uh, what I believe is that uh, in order uh, to be a successful entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur slash venture capitalist, uh, one of the biggest uh, uh, biggest uh, evaluation is that uh, can I be part of the most uh, most innovative uh, tech startups in the chronic disease and health tech uh, space in the next uh, uh, ten to twenty years? If that's uh, uh, if that's done, then I will consider myself uh, as a good uh, success. Right now, I can say that I'm working on it. And I want to. Uh, be an influential person in this space. I want to be the voice for the longevity uh, and aging uh, challenge. Uh, I'm still working on it. You know, today I know that you are so passionate about you know longevity or all the healthcare topic. I'm curious, what inspired you? What made you happy outside of the work, the investment? In 2008, where my company has some uh, challenges, I, uh, I learned lots of different ways to. Uh, to, to improve the health of myself. And that's a great learning process. Uh, because I went to Stanford, they said I'm okay. I, they don't find any problem at all, but I just don't feel I'm healthy. So I'm trying to learn a lot like meditation, uh, Tai Chi, uh, and exercise, stretching. Uh, um, believe it or not, I do, um, I do lots of exercise uh, this year, particularly after I moved to Austin, Texas. Uh, it's a great place to live. Uh, I do uh, yoga several times a week, and uh, I exercise meditation uh, several times a week. Uh, those meditation help me a lot to thinking the breakthrough. Also, last uh, eight years, uh, so before, including my previous company, I got a chance to connect with many most amazing founders in the health tech space, including uh, including. And longevity companies, including remote uh, telemedicine uh, companies, one of the companies called Zerx, one of the uh, top uh, very competitor uh, health tech company. So the company was very successful. I met many founders uh, uh, in the in the very early stage. I also talked with one of the founders do the uh, uh, the uh, therapy for the cell therapy. They are they are incubated by Peter Sales uh, breaks relapse. I talked to founder many times. I learned a lot about uh, all the different ways in this space. Then I realized that, well, the past, uh, the way we define health tech innovation is the, is very small scope. We divide health tech into uh, pharma, biotech, uh, uh, and uh, uh, devices, blah, blah, those couple of things. What we realized is that there's many new ways of innovation are coming along, for instance, uh, new material, new robotic technologies. And we saw the uh, new robotic technologies are used in diagnostic in the body and are used in surgery in the body. And just, uh, just one of the examples. We see many, many different new innovations. Uh, um, another example, like uh, artificial intelligence. Artificial inter intelligence has been widely used in health tech last few years, which help uh, 
uh, us to break through many different uh, areas, which was a big barrier like five years ago. So uh, in other words, we see a big wave of new technologies emerging into the health tech industry, which can help us fight with the disease as well as improve people's lives in a significant better than what we have done before. Uh, that's why I saw uh, tremendous opportunities uh, live for, um, in front of us. If you will give your, yourself, a 30 years or so, a piece of advice, David, what would you say to yourself? What I see myself is that uh, uh, as first generation immigrants to America, I came from Singapore uh, last century, uh, have a dream and work on the dream. And uh, of course, uh, connect uh, is my own experience uh, is what keeps me moving. Uh, I, sh- um, I should uh, focus on the dream and put more effort and work on that one uh, for the next uh, uh, 20, 30, or maybe 50 years. And since you mentioned about you, know, you were immigrants and you had a dream when you, you know, come to this, this beautiful world, I'm curious, what's your interpretation? What's your thought about what American dream meant for you? Uh, I was very lucky. came to um, uh, Silicon Valley after I came immigrant from uh, Singapore. And Silicon Valley uh, is the heart of the innovation, heart of the uh, venture capital world. Uh, gave me lots of lots of information and knowledges and a network I could uh, had never imagined uh, uh, even uh, when I just arrived here. So that's uh, what the American dream is about. Uh, in, empower uh, people like me, like a minority and first generation immigrants. Uh, and achieve something I had never uh, imagined myself. Uh, I believe that's a, a great uh, a dream and great picture uh, for the future uh, for new and young uh, immigrants. I love that. So David, speaking of dreams, my last question for you is, if today entrepreneurs are watching and he or she wanted to pitch the idea once to you or other VC because they have a big dream in their heart, what piece of advice you will share, you know, from the VC perspective, enable him or her to be successful on their fundraising journey? Fundraising uh, is uh, uh, is a very big uh, uh, task, and many founders underestimated the uh, difficulty of the fundraising. Uh, our my suggestion are two. Number one is that uh, spend more effort to learn your cash flow learn alternative financing and, uh, and make sure you have a solid plan on the money side. Uh, right now, the VCs are far more conservative than like uh, three, uh, five years ago. Uh, secondly, uh, uh, find a friend, find your network, and make sure you, got, uh, you can convince uh, your friends and your network to support you uh, before you can ask VCs for money. If you have um, uh, others above, then you have a far better chance to uh, have a conversation. Wonderful. I love that. And I really want to thank you so much, David, for joining us today to share your insight. You have so much passion, so much love to all the fellow entrepreneurs and to see what you've done 
in your path and really taking those journey, taking those experience inside. Today, you are so passionate about helping others in the health tech journey. It's so inspiring. So really want to say thank you so much, David, for your time. And thank you, everybody, for you all watching. I really hope that you enjoy as much as I do. And until next time, my friends, be happy. We will see you 